Hi campers, welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hello. Thank you for joining us for 2022's last edition of spooky immature history. We're so sad to see it. Well, you're sad to see it go. We're kind of happy to see it go. Yeah, we like the variety. Yeah. I don't like being put in a box that I really I put myself in it. But yeah, that's it's okay. We're going to really enjoy these these last ones. Yeah, gather around. Yeah. Um, Megan, when I first started talking about spooky yeah. uh, stories, mm-hmm. I mentioned a certain former president. Yeah, you did. And that was... JFK. JFK. Yeah. Jonald F. Kennedy. Jonald. <laughs> and, <laughs> um. And so I'm going to deliver on that. Okay. Thank God. I promise. Okay. Um, And today we're going to talk about the spooky conspiracy of Badge Man. I have never heard of this. Badge Man and Robin. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. I'd never heard of it either. Badge Man, this is Wikipedia, Uh uh, is a name given to an unknown figure that is reputedly visible within the famous Mary Mormon photograph of the assassination of United States President John F. Kennedy. Okay. Some researchers have theorized that this figure is a sniper firing a weapon at the president from the grassy knoll in Dealey Plaza. Sure. Even though an alleged muzzle flash obscures much of the detail, the badge man has been described as a person wearing some kind of police uniform. Ooh. The moniker itself derives from a bright spot on the chest, which is said to resemble a gleaming badge. Hmm. Spooky. That's interesting. Uh-huh. I'm looking up a photo that now I love so I can the be conspiracy on the same page. Here's the thing. Um, I've looked at this photo for many weeks, and I still don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, what the fuck are they talking about? Right? I I don't know if it's... I don't know who they're talking about. There's a lot going on here. Is he the guy standing on the steps? It, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot. Um, Okay. Oh, at Photo Center, standing behind the stockade fence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, speculation about the badge man figure helped create conspiracy theories, my favorite kind of theories, mm-hmm. uh, regarding a plot made by members of the Dallas Police Department to kill President Kennedy. Mm. That's Dallas, baby. <laughs> uh, in response, abundant skeptics proposed numerous alternative interpretations of the image. Okay. Okay. During the presidential motorcade through Dealey Plaza, Dallas resident Mary Mormon took a series of photographs with her Polaroid camera. Her non-professional photos captured images of all the presidential limousine occupants, several other close witnesses, including Abraham Zapruder filming. Oh, another connection between JFK and Abraham Lincoln. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You don't meet a lot of Abrahams. Not in this day and age. No. No. Uh, Two Dallas police motorcycle presidential escorts and much of the plaza's grassy knoll. Mm. The badge man is reputedly visible in Mormon's fifth and most famous photo of the area taken at the moment of the headshot that killed the president. Yikes. Can you imagine? Woof. Uh, This photo has been calculated to have been captured between Zapruder film frames 315 and 316, which was less than one sixth of a second after President Kennedy was fatally shot in the head at frame 313. Mm -hmm. Um... And then they have enlarged and colorized a version, 
which I'm like, okay, it does kind of look like a guy wearing a, a badge. This thing? Yeah. That looked, I thought that was outer space. It does look a little bit like outer space. Um, but the color version, I can see that it's like, it yeah. looks like a guy with a hairline. It's like, it looks, it's very much like, you know, when you're looking up at the sky and you're like, what shape is that cloud? Yeah. <laughs> or it's like if you're standing nose to nose with a Monet. Yeah. And you're like, a water lily. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Exactly water like lily you talking about. Yeah. Uh, in 1982, Gary Mack, the longtime curator and archivist for the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza, the former Texas, books, Texas school book depository, mm-hmm. was the first person to claim discovery of the badge man figure. In Mack's visual interpretation, a uniformed police officer can be seen standing behind the stockade fence with his face obscured by a muzzle flash, but a small bright object is visible on his chest. Hmm. Mac initially thought the figure looked like Gordon Arnold, a soldier who claimed to be on the grassy knoll with a movie camera. How can you make out a specific person there? I mean, I don't know. Are our eyes bad? Are our eyes that bad? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Let me turn my volume up. That's way too bright. I can't see anything because they're like center, photo center. I need to look up like a a picture of um, where it's like circled. Yeah, that would be a good But idea. to the conspiracy theorist's credit, he wouldn't be a very good, you know, secret sniper if he was just standing out in the open. That's a good point. <laughs> so, but one point for a badge man. Another thing about badge man is that I would assume on a day where the president is rolling through Dallas, they're probably going to have cops out everywhere. That's true. That's a good point, too. Point against badge man. Yeah. Um, the question of the badge man figure's existence helped perpetuate conspiracy theories that have alleged that members of the Dallas Police Department had killed Kem- killed Kennedy and simultaneously framed Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm. In his initial observations, Mac was assisted by photographer and assassin re- assassination researcher Jack White. We know okay. him from from the, the White, White Stripes. Stripes. Yes, this one and the same. Wow. <laughs> He's a renaissance man (laughs) Uh, who continued his experimentation with the Mormon photograph. Mormon, not Mormon. Yeah, not the Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Uh, In the mid-1980s, White put forward a new version, enhanced in contrast and brightness, which he claimed revealed the policeman figure in higher clarity. Mm Mm-hmm. White's research was shown and discussed in the 1988 documentary series, The Men Who Killed Kennedy. Mm. I need to watch that. Sounds... I just love the Kennedy conspiracy theories. I love them. Love. Did you ever watch, what was it, uh, 11, 22, 63? With James Franco? Yeah. I think so. That was pretty good. Yeah, because that was good Stephen King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know I watched at least part of it. <laughs> I remember watching it while we lived together, so you may have, mm, yeah. Maybe. Um, in it, a close-up of the enhanced badge man figure is repeated on screen as a voiceover describes three shooters at Dealey Plaza who are said to be in league with the mafia. One of the three is described as standing in the badge man's position behind the stockade fence on the grassy knoll. The narration identifies this shooter as Lucien Sarti, a French national and alleged contract killer. Mm. Oh. <laughs> to, to oh. The, uh-huh. <laughs> 
to the anatomical right, photo left, of the supposed badge man figure, some researchers claim there is a second person seen. The self-proclaimed... Now they're saying there are two people? <sighs> I can't even find the one. I can't even find the one. Who is this guy? Waldo? <laughs> This is the worst Where's Waldo puzzle. Or the best, actually. (laughs) So he finally won one. Yeah. Um, The self-proclaimed witness, Gordon Arnold, who claimed in 1978 that he was filming the motorcade while wearing his U.S. Army uniform when a shot passed close to his left ear. Mm. Mm. All right. Counterclaims. Uh, The Mormon photograph was seen contemporaneously in world media through UPI, but the Warren Commission did not include it in the volumes of its 1964 report. Okay. The House Select Committee on Assassinations sent a high-quality negative version of the Mormon photo to the Rochester Institute of Technology for enlargement, enhancement, and analysis. Mm -hmm. The RIT... Rochester Institute for Technology uh, report states that it found no evidence of human forms anywhere in the background and the specific area behind the stockade fence was deemed to be so underexposed that it was impossible to glean any information from it. Well, I'm uh, I feel very comfortable that I have the RIT on my side. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's the Rochester. It's the Rochester, whatever. (laughs) And if they can't see it, then it must not exist. That's right. Some researchers have claimed that the badge man image is sunlight reflecting off a glass bottle and not a human figure. Mm. Some photos and films taken immediately after the assassination do, in fact, show a bottle sitting on top of the retaining (laughs) wall. Researcher and computer animator Dale Myers believes the measurements of the grassy knoll area give proof that the alleged figure would have been in an impossible position to fire a weapon at the motorcade, saying... Quote, if the badge man were truly a human being of average height and build, he was located 12 to 18 feet behind the fence line and elevated three to four feet above the ground. Mm. So we don't know who the we badge man know. is. Never know. Um, and what I love about this Wikipedia article is it says badge man and then it just says unverified person. Oh. That's the uh, subtitle. Oh, I like love. that. So... Spooky when, badge man. When you first said it, I thought you were saying badger man, and it was a little, <sighs> little bit of a, a letdown. I know. That's fair. Love a badger. Wow. God, I love conspiracies. Oh, same. Oh, I love them. Love them. But not like, you know, not all of them. <laughs> not all of them. I love historical conspiracies. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of modern ones. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except for the royals being lizard people. I like that I mean, one. Yeah. Um. Okay. I am going to read an Atlas Obscura article uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> about dumb suppers. Have you ever heard of this? Dumb suppers? Yes, D-U-M-B. Ooh. Here we go. These days, Halloween is a spooky holiday devoted to ghoulish fun. But for young women in the British Isles and United States, Halloween once was prime time for love rituals the day when occult ceremonies could offer a glimpse into the future. Romanticized by poets such as Keats and Burns, these love rituals supposedly allowed young women to divine the identity of their future husbands. Cute. Cute. Um, Out of all such ceremonies, the most elaborate, meaningful method was the dumb supper. Dumb, in this case, is a sentence synonym for mute or silent as the most essential rule was that a dumb supper be conducted in complete silence wow 
I mean, just so awkward. So uncomfortable. It kind of takes the pressure off of it, though. It does. It'd be nice. It does. I, I mean, one drink in, though, and actually, it wouldn't yeah. even take, wouldn't me a, take drink. a drink. Yeah. There's no way I could ever do one. You could never. I'd lost 10 seconds. Yep. Uh, quote, perhaps for many centuries, writes scholar Paul B. Frazier, young women have tried to use magic in this manner. We're just, we're thirsty. We want, we want those witchy vibes. Yeah. I need to know who I'm going to marry. You have to, you have to know. Uh, according to folklorist Waylon D. Hand, the dumb supper has roots in English love divination, uh, one that was once fairly well known. Americans, especially in rural regions, uh, perpetuated the custom into the 20th century. From Oxfordshire to Ozark County, Hand observes the ritual was performed with considerable conformity. Young women typically held dumb suppers, but men sometimes attended as well. I mean, they got to know who they're marrying. Yeah, they got to know know who their husband's going to (laughs) be. Yeah. Yeah. The setting was usually an isolated place free of disturbances, such as an abandoned or otherwise empty house. In Frazier's account of a dumb supper, two teenage girls in turn-of-the-century Kentucky... That's where we are right now. That's where we are. uh, ...prepared a supper backwards in every respect. The tables were set as wrongly as possible. The chairs were turned backwards. The The meal was to be served dessert first. Ooh, love that. Love that. Save. Yeah. You don't have to save room for it. Right. If anyone spoke a word, the spell was broken. When everything was prepared exactly right, then at midnight, the spirits of the husbands to be would walk through the door or even arrive in person. Ooh. Ooh. Me quietly ordering a pizza on my phone (laughs) under the table. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> God, just using the Papa tracker for a husband. <laughs> um, whether apparition or real, whoever sat next to a girl was sure to be her future husband. I mean, I don't like that rule. No, I. There are so many men who have sat next to me that I would a never lot. ever want to marry. Yeah, truly. Uh, In romantic novels and short stories, a dumb supper was the ideal time for a long-lost sweetheart to coincidentally show up. Victorian newspapers, I mean, it's the, (laughs) it's like when, um, you know, Christian guys are like, God, I prayed about this and God told me that we're supposed Uh, to be together. (laughs) I hate it. It's exactly that. Uh, Victorian newspapers, especially in the American South, outlined the process of conducting a dumb supper, while Edwardian novels made them into thrilling plot points. After all, for many young women, and occasionally men, dumb suppers were party games with a supernatural thrill. But in spookier accounts, dumb suppers could herald spinsterhood and death. The two worst... Things a woman yeah. could ever experience. <laughs> if, a, if a coffin appeared at midnight, that meant that one of the young women wouldn't marry at all and would likely die soon. No. Where's the coffin coming from? Yeah. And also, it's just like I was trying to see who I was going to marry, not see if I was going to die soon. Like, <laughs> yeah, those why are the, the same? <laughs> you I just, just say, mm, nobody. Yeah. 
Someone just like slides a coffin into the yeah. room. Where is it like, coming from? I don't understand. Where does it come from? <laughs> um, <laughs> this is all taking place in a funeral parlor showroom. <laughs> Shit, we're all going to die. One part they've left out. <laughs> Sometimes, as Frazier relates, the dumb supper could even predict murder. Murder. According to one account from Missouri, two young women set their table in a deserted house. At the stroke of midnight, one saw a coffin, which horrifyingly, quote, moved of its own volition. Oh, so that's how the coffins get there. I guess. (laughs) They just walk right on in. Yeah. Uh, The other woman was probably happy to instead see a young man walk through the door at midnight, his apparition summoned by the ritual. The young man arrived holding a knife, (gasps) a knife. Which he dropped the moment he sat next to his future bride. Okay. Not like not the <laughs> so most. So romantic. I mean, it's just like the, the bar is so low. It's in hell. The like, bar is in the hell. The bar is in hell. It's like, oh my God. He didn't put a knife on me. How <laughs> sweet. Swoon. I do. Um, let's see here. She picked up the knife and put it in her pocket. And after the silent meal was over, the young man stood and left the room as the coffin slid along beside him and followed him out the door. Just your pet coffin. (laughs) (laughs) He goes everywhere I go. Yeah, like a shadow. Yeah. Soon, the young woman met the man and married him. One day, she showed him the knife. On seeing it, he flew into a rage and stabbed her in the throat and chest until she died. Oh, that's where the coffin came in. Just like... You're telling me he never saw a knife before while they were married? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. And also, it's like, I mean, not to victim blame, but like, you know, if he's bringing in a coffin, something that in this ritual especially means you're going to die. Yeah. Maybe just like if you keep, if you find a weapon. Drop it. Just, just get rid of it. Yeah. Just bury it in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, of course, this was a folktale likely designed to warn young women away from this from superstitious midnight rituals. Well, because it just, you know, it can't lead to anything good. No. Nope. Um, you'll obviously turn into a slut if you're yeah. doing a midnight ritual. Yeah. The obviously. ones that end badly, says Frazier, seem to be warnings that the use of magic in love affairs is unfair and doomed. During actual dumb suppers, the only danger was interruption by neighborhood pranksters, which I would love Mm -hmm. to do that. Yep, yep, yep. That would be a good prank. According to Hand, the participants' mothers encouraged boys to burst in, sometimes through the windows. Mom, don't set us up with (laughs) neighborhood pranksters. I love that it's the mom. I know, the mom's like, go ahead. Yeah. Some dumb bitch thinks she's going to get married to the next <laughs> ghost that walks through. But the Dumb Supper, along with other Halloween love rituals, did address a deeply felt need. In a time when a young woman's future depended on whom she married, mm. discovering the man's identity in advance was powerfully motivating. As the author of A Dumb Supper Story from 1849 noted, quote, a young maiden will go through a great deal in order to get some kind of answer to a question that so deeply involves her happiness. Which I guess, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, I can see that. Another simpler Halloween love ritual was to simply look into a mirror while walking backwards. Oh. In a, I don't like that. No? 
In a horror movie fashion, this caused <laughs> the face of one's future husband to return one's gaze. Such rituals weren't necessarily tied to Halloween either. According to folk belief, a young woman who observed an evening of silence and went to bed without dinner on the night before the feast of St. Agnes would dream of her future husband. Another ritual called for eating a hollowed out egg filled with salt. What? <laughs> I need more details about how that's being prepared. A hollowed out egg? Did you ever do the thing where like you put a pinhole yes. at the top and bottom of an yeah. egg? First of all, how did that work? I think just pressure. I don't know. Air. I'm still not convinced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But is that what they mean? Or do or they, they mean like, like hard boil, boil it? it and then you scoop out the yolk and you Which just is put the salt best part, arguably. Oh, disagree. Really? Of a boiled egg, a hard boiled egg. It gets all like chalky and gross. Well, if you do, if you boil it for too long, yeah. yeah. I want a runny egg. Yeah, like a runny egg. I like a but, soft boiled but egg. But then you can't really hollow that out as easily. That's true. That gets a little messy. Yeah. Where does the salt go? Love salt, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where am I? Filled with salt in hopes of inducing one's future spouse in a dream to provide a cup of water. Oh, because you would need it if you're eating a tablespoon of salt. Sure. <laughs> Never. Why, why involve an egg, though? Just save an egg and just, just, just eat put some it, salt. Just put some salt in your mouth, girl. Or just like, you know, go an hour without having any water and you'll be thirsty. Or connect the dots that you can get your own glass of water and you don't need a man to you do it don't for need a you. Man. Yeah. Nevertheless, writes Hand, dumb suppers usually were held at liminal times between the seasons. In California, New Year's Eve was the day of choice, while in Maryland, it was May Eve. The appeal of the Dumb Supper was widespread and long-lasting. Hand collected 35 Dumb Supper accounts from the British Isles and 100 from the United States, some dating from as far back as the 17th century. He noted that in England and Scotland, young women focused on baking special dumb cakes for the Midnight Supper, while Americans emphasized the backwards meal and settings. Mm. By the 1950s, though, dumb suppers had largely disappeared. In an investigation of Halloween's romantic roots, journalist uh, Niraj Chokshi points out that children had become the holiday's main focus. Plus, women had won more control over their destinies, making marriage rituals less enticing. You love to see it. Yeah, thank God for that. But dumb suppers are still observed in one quarter. As a soulful ceremony for Samhain, the ancient Celtic festival of the dead, mm-hmm. and the start of winter. Uh, taking place in such appropriate locales as Salem, Massachusetts, the age-old ritual of the Dumb Supper memorializes and honors the beloved dead. Participants eat meals, often containing the favorite foods of the departed, backwards, starting with dessert and ending with dinner rolls. Of course, the meals are conducted in unbroken silence. Mm. Couldn't be me. I I love a silent meal. (laughs) We are very opposite about that. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Um, Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Spooky. All of of the spookiness. Campers, thanks. (sighs) Campers, you guys are amazing. Thanks for being here. Mm -hmm. We love you. Yep. We will see you next time. 
We'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.